Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. In 2015, when Michael Shutt was in his 40s, he experienced a series of three inexplicable, life-changing strokes. The strokes, he insists, were the best thing that ever happened to him. Michael used his life's work as an actor, singer, and storyteller to find creative ways of overcoming paralysis, memory loss, and vision loss, and ultimately, to reclaim his life. Are you ready to meet him? Michael Shutt has been a professional actor, director, and producer for the last 30 years. He's the writer and performer of A Lesson in Swimming, a solo show about his terrifying, surreal, absurd, and empowering journey through three strokes and his subsequent recovery. You can find out more about Michael and his story at michaelshutt.com. Michael, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm glad you're here. Strokes take lives, change lives, usually. How did having a stroke save your life? Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's a very good question. I, um, for so long, for probably like the last 20 or 30 years, I've, I've been an avid multitasker. I've been busy, like very, very, very busy and very stuck in my head, so to speak. And um, as, as I say, my very first line of my show is my brain broke. And there was something about spending, I used to say I had a very busy brain. It was constantly going, constantly going, constantly going. And once my brain broke, all I had left to come from was my heart. And that sort of opened me up to a world of gratitude, um, a world of compassion, empathy, understanding um it it changed changed my life completely what was your life like before the stroke and how does that kind of <laughs> contrast with with how it is now i know from reading the script that that first stroke happened in the middle of a busy you were at work in a really busy bar yeah i was i was i was you know i'm, I'm out here in la i'm i've been an actor for years and you know like like most actors you have to have survival jobs i also was running a theater company i was running um we have a, a new play development program that i helped found and and i was co-running and so i was working a job at a bar but just bartending like 40 hours a week plus working at the theater plus being in shows and, and stuff like that and i was just constantly on the go um Probably the the biggest the the biggest difference between my life now and my life then was my whole life I've been a people pleaser and like like in in a very active like people pleaser like I, I had to be the best people pleaser there was mm. and I had to um, uh, make sure that everyone liked me and after the stroke a couple of my friends have have said quite point blank they're like. Oh, I like the unfiltered Michael better. <laughs> and um, they're, they're like, this, this Michael is a fun Michael. And I, 
it's not that I don't care about people anymore. I absolutely care about people, but I don't care about making people like me anymore. Like I, like I'm like, I almost died three times. And like, if, if you can't take me for what I am at this point, then bless you and move on. <laughs> and, and it's, um, it, it's been freeing. It, it, it's been, been a little freeing and um, has, has just opened me up to, it, it, it's a different, a different mindset as, as opposed to constantly trying to put stuff out there to make people like you. I'm now able to open up and receive what people are giving, if that makes any sense. It does make sense. It's a much more truthful way of being in the world. It not only allows yeah. you to be generous with the people you want to be generous with or kind or open to or whatever it is, but it also allows you to receive then their Absolutely. companionship or what they have to give you without having to feel like you got a tap dance for them all the time. Yep. That, that, that's exactly it. Exactly it. I, I, I can stop dancing. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I can, yeah. Do you have, are you physically changed because of the stroke? I, I was, I, and I'm, well, I guess, yes, of course I am. I was, for a while, I was paralyzed on the left-hand side of my body. I, I had to relearn how to walk, how to feed myself, how to bathe myself. Um, there was a long period of time. I was in the hospital for about oh, over two months, I think. And there was a time where I couldn't even move my arm to push the button to raise the bed up. And I used to, like, pick my left hand up with my right hand and pull it over to push the button. And then one day I just said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to force myself to do this. And so I just sat there and, and struggled and struggled and struggled. And with, I don't want, I don't know if it's will, I guess stubborn willpower, I guess. Like I, I just finally got my hand over there and pushed the button and sat up. And so it, it's been a long recovery of, of being able to walk again, being able to, use my hands again. Um, and I guess the, the biggest, I don't know, I guess this is not really a physical change, but the biggest change I had was my vision loss. I lost all my peripheral vision on the, in the left-hand quadrant and the lower quadrant, which also means I lost depth perception. And I went in, interestingly, I went face blind, which I did not even know was a thing. What does it where mean? I can, well, from what I understand, my, I can tell you my experience with it, is I can look at somebody and I can see that they have two eyes, a nose, a mouth, ears, hair, but my brain no longer processes that that specific set of eyes, nose, mouth, ear, hair add up to a specific person. So I can no longer recognize people by looking at their faces. So I have to use other things to identify people like I, I recognize voices. Um, if I if I'm in a crowd or in, in a large group of people, at a gathering, I, I try to very quickly memorize what people are wearing. But probably the the biggest thing that has shifted for me is I now just I pick up immediately on people's energies. Like someone walks in the door, I don't even have to look up. I I know who it is based on the way the door opens. At this point, um, there are times that I can be in a room and. And I, I start getting really tense. I'm like, oh, I know who's here <laughs> or vice versa. Like there, there have been moments where I'm like, I feel really safe right now. And I'm like, oh, of course I do. You know, so-and-so is here. And it, it, 
it really is. I, I, I think I, I said in, in my show at one point, it, it's amazing how you can really see who people are when you can no longer see them. Yeah. And, and it, it just, it, that's, that's been the, the biggest, probably the biggest change for me is navigating the world now with a lot of vision loss. Like when, when I, I, when I walk, I can't see the ground. So it, it feels, I, I make a joke that I constantly feel like I'm walking the plank. Like oh. I'm about to step off of something at, at any time. So um, I still walk with a cane and stuff, but it's not so much for strength or balance as much as it is just to keep me grounded pretty much to, to keep me, to keep me from falling off the, falling off the earth. Right. No, I think it's round. I've heard on Reliable. I think it's round. I think you just keep going in an endless loop. I don't think you could follow yeah, out. Yeah, um, you just come, that's true. <laughs> you just come I back around that. the other side. It, <laughs> yeah. It's funny how sometimes when things like big life changes, whether it's a stroke or something else, a breakup or a revelation or an awakening, when when we're not able to see the way we used to with our literal physical eyes or otherwise, mm-hmm. it opens up a whole new way of of being in the world. And that's what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing yeah. you say about picking up energy and seeing people different in a different way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Do they... I mean, not, not just, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I get excited and then I jump right in. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, not, not just seeing people differently, but it's seeing the world differently. Like knowing like where it's safe for me to go out walking, where like, and there was one day I, I walked down to a bank that was probably about a half mile from my house. And I have to walk by a high school to get there. And, and I happened to be walking by right as the high school let out. And so there were hundreds of teenage kids running out into the street, out like along the sidewalk, throwing balls, screaming, yelling. And with my lack of peripheral vision, I couldn't see them coming anywhere. And I was like, okay this is not a safe space for me right now. I have to remember, like, don't, don't make this walk at this time of day. Like, as opposed to like, Oh, I can walk through the neighborhood. Fine. And just, you know, it's just a a different, the, the energy of, of the whole city, the whole, whether it be the neighborhood or the the streets or the the town, like it, it, it all, it all changes when, when you, when you can't see anymore. When so your forties is that's a really young time to have a stroke, right? You're still you're a child in your forties. That's how, a mere <laughs> child. Do, yes. Do they exactly. know why this happened? Because it's not like you weighed seven hundred and twenty-five pounds, or you right? No. It's, why, so what? Why did this happen? Do you know? They there has I have stumped the medical community. <laughs> I um I, I remember. I went back into the hospital at one point and I was in the ER and they asked me my name and the person, the doctor in the ER said, Oh, I know who you are. Um, they, they presented my case at medical conferences around the world. I am um, an enigma. <laughs> they have not, there's been no medical reason for me to have had the stroke. They kept telling me that I didn't fit the profile. I, I never smoked. I never did drugs. I, I was in probably the best physical shape of my life when I actually had the stroke and um, they, they're like, there's no, no reason for this to have happened. And which leads me to believe that it, it wasn't necessarily a medical reason. I, I 
fully believe that I had the stroke to save my life. I, I think if I had kept going down the path I was going of over multitasking, like staying busy constantly, like functioning on five or six hours sleep a night, like going, 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 going. I don't think I would have lasted much longer. And I think this was a little, a little wake up call for me and a little opportunity to disconnect for a bit. Or maybe connect in a different way. Maybe it's a, not a disconnection so much as a, um, like you mean, you know, those old switchboards, right? Where the women sit on the stools and then you yeah, put the yeah, thing yeah. in the plug. Exactly. It's kind of like plugging into a different channel. It sounds that. like to yeah. me. When, when you were going through, especially the, the second stroke, the one there, so the first stroke was when you were working at the bar. The second one was when you were, um, at, at the gym coming out of the gym and you got I to was your at car, the gym. Yep. Uh, you talk about the way that your guides or someone or a presence was with you. And I wonder if you can share, because even for listeners who haven't had strokes or maybe aren't recovering from big anythings, there's that sense of you being guided, guarded through these things that I'd love for you to share. Yes. Well, when I had the second stroke, I, I was at the gym, as you said, and I, I was, I, I had just finished working out. I just, I ended my workout with a three mile run on the treadmill. I was feeling great. And I, hopped off and I headed out of the gym and I, there's a, a staircase you have to go down to get out to the street and I was heading down the stairs and I literally took a step and everything changed my whole my whole world changed in that step and I could no longer see and except I, I was like I, I I felt like I could see sounds <laughs> and like hear hear colors like like every, like everything in my brain just started going haywire and I knew I had to get to my car, or at least I thought I, I thought I had to get to my car. Um, but that, that's where I, that's where I was headed. That's that was my intent. I was like, I got to get to the car. Got to get to the car. But I didn't know how I would get there um, because, like, I could not see anything in front of me, and what I could see was it was just strange. It, it like none of it made any sense. And so that, and I had my. Um, keychain in, in my hand and literally a, a voice said to me like hit hit the unlock button on your keychain and your car will will light up and flash and so I just kept hitting the button and going towards the light of the car <laughs> and um, and I got in the car and and I knew I had to call for help but I when I picked up my phone like again like my vision was so confusing I couldn't see anything on the screen. And I, a voice said to me very strongly, very clearly, use Siri to call 911. And so that's what I did. I, 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 and maybe I would have thought of that on my own. I don't know. But um, I, I fully believe that was, that was a guide there helping me, like tell, telling me how to, how to get through this. Like, just use Siri. So I, I pushed the button and, Use Siri to call nine one one, and that's 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 how I got <laughs> that that's how they found me. Sitting sitting in the car. Wow, have you felt your guides with you at other times? You've had a a, a long recovery. Um, I have. Well, the funny the funny thing is, this is the second time I've heard a voice like that. 
the first time was about 20 to 25 years ago. I was, I had come home from work and there was no parking on my street. It was 4th of July weekend and I was frustrated. I'd had a long shift at work and I, I had nothing in the house to eat. So I was like, I'm just going to head to the grocery store. So I pulled up back out onto a main street here in, in LA and I was driving to the grocery store and I, because I had tried to park my car earlier and there were no, I, it's just street parking here and there were no spots big enough. I had taken my seatbelt off to try to back up and I was driving down Melrose and I was at a stoplight and I literally heard, like heard a voice say to me, Michael, put your seatbelt on. It's 4th of July weekend. And I was like, oh, <laughs> all right, fine. So I, like, <laughs> I clicked, clicked the seatbelt, put the seatbelt on. The light turned green. I went through and a car came flying down this other street, T-boned me, pushed me into oncoming traffic. I got hit by three different cars at the oh. same time. And lit- literally my, my car and like I got taken off in, in an ambulance and to, to the hospital and my car was destroyed. And they said, the cops said to me, they came to see me in the ER and they were like, if you hadn't had your seatbelt on, you you would not be here right now. And that was like, I will, I'll never forget that as long as I live. Like the voice was so clear. It was like, Michael, put your seatbelt on right now. I'm like, all right, fine. And I did. And, and I'm still here. So wow. I, 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 I've, I fully believe I have a, the hardest working team out there. <laughs> they've, <laughs> they've taken very, very good care of me and they, they're keep, they're keeping me here for a reason. I'm not quite sure what it is, but they're 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 keeping me here for something. So, you're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. I'm talking with Michael Shutt. He has written a solo show called A Lesson in Swimming that's being produced by the Moving Arts Theater Company in Los Angeles. You can find out more about Michael, his journey, at michaelshutt.com. That's Michael S H U T T dot com. Michael Shutt dot com. Your gifts as an actor and a singer and a director and producer and a writer were helpful to you in your recovery. How did how did creativity and what feels to me as I was reading your story like imagination, how did that help you find a way around these challenging events? Well, I mean there are a few different ways. Um one of one of the the main things um well, well let me go back a little bit. Like I started writing while I was in the hospital. I started writing things down because I, lo- I had lost my memory and I was forgetting things like what the doctors were saying to me, what, what they were telling me I needed to do. I'd even forgotten that people had come to visit me. I, I remember I called one of my best friends at one point one day and I was like, could you come visit me? I haven't seen you in a while. He's like, Michael, I was there a half hour ago. Oh my I like, gosh. I was like, Oh, I, I didn't know. And so I literally started writing things down just so that I could remember. And, um, <laughs> I had a, I created a little guest book for people to sign in when they came so that I could like flip through it and remember who was there. Um, but the biggest thing that I started writing down, especially when I was in recovery was my, my wins, my every, every little accomplishment that I made. Um, like, and they were, and I would write down the littlest thing. Like, you know, I walked a hundred feet today. I, I, ate an entire bowl of cereal without spilling any in my lap. I, I remember remembered my doctor's name and just by writing all those things down, I could go back and look at it and I could see 
that I was making progress. I could see that um, rather than sitting there and focusing on, oh, I can't move my arm. I can't see. I can't like rather than focusing on, on all the can'ts, I was able to start focusing on what I could do. And that started giving me hope that I, that I was, I was like, okay, I'm not going to get better overnight. I'm going to get better in little small increments, but look, I've, I've charted this. Like I am getting better. Um, so that's how, that's how everything started was just writing those things down. And then because, because I have, a slightly warped mind to begin with or (laughs) an appreciation of the absurd. I think like I started writing things down. I was like, did that really just happen? Or did did that doctor really just say that? Or, and I I just started writing things down in a humorous way because it, it, if I couldn't, if I couldn't laugh at this, I would, I would have gone completely, out of my mind, I, I already was up in my mind. My brain was broken, but I um, it it, it would have. I, I need I needed to be able to laugh at, at what was going on, and or at least see and appreciate the absurdity of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the fact that my God bless them, my my parents came out and moved in with me. They flew out three thousand miles, moved into my apartment. They were at the hospital every single day there to help me but they're both deaf. So they couldn't hear anything the doctors were saying. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, this isn't helping, but it is, but it was helping. Like they, they were there like more than anything. They were, they were there loving me. Like they, they showered me with, with love and, and okay. It didn't matter that, <laughs> that they had to scream over each other and scream at the doctors and couldn't hear anything that was being said. But it, it was it, like, I, I had to like look at that and go, okay, this, this is just, such good material right here. Like I, I can't, I can't lose this. I have to write this down. And, um, but so then I just started writing every day when I got home, um, just like 15, 20 minutes a day, just to sort of like, a lot of it was to keep my, my mind sharp and, and trying to remember things. But what I found sort of miraculously that happened was I was typing and when I first started typing, my left hand didn't work at all. Like I, I couldn't use it at all. I was only typing with my right hand. I was like, no, I'm going to use both hands. And I typed for about a half hour a day, every day for a year. And now both hands work completely in conjunction with each other. But it, it brought all the, it was, it was, it, it was not just emotional therapy, the writing, it also became physical therapy and, and it completely brought my left hand back to life. And that was something that the doctor said I might never get back because they were like, oh, if it doesn't come back within a certain amount of time, there's a really good chance it won't come back. And I was like, no, it's going to come back and I'm, I'm going to find a way to make it happen. Wow. And so I, the, the, I just, by typing every day, like now both hands work completely in sync. Um, well, what, but, what do they yeah. know? You're an enigma. Right. Exactly. So you get to do, you get exactly. to do what you want when you're the enigma. You just, all the exactly. rules don't apply to you anymore. Exactly. Um, but the, the, the big thing for me was, and I, I talked about this in, in my show, my physical therapist was trying to get me to multitask, to use two different parts of my brain at the same time. And so she would have me walk down the hall, at, like when she was teaching me how to walk. And I had a choice of either counting backwards from 100 by sevens, or singing a song. And my mind went 
would go completely blank. I had no, like, and I've sung for 40 years and I could not think of a single song. And so I would count backwards from 100 by 7th. And um, then one day she just asked me, like, if I was going to sing a song about my mom, you know, what, what would I sing? And I just opened my mouth and a song came out. And I got every note, every word, every, every bit. And, and I found the more I'm, we would make emotional connections, she would um, ask me about different people. And every time she'd ask me about a different person, I would sing a different song. Oh. And they would, they would just come up. Like they, it wasn't me trying to look for the song. It was just me thinking of the person and a memory would come up and a song would come up. And, and I found that the more I sang, the more memories, the more my memory was getting triggered. And so like, I would literally be walking down the hallway singing a song and I would start remembering like the first time I sang it or why, like what I was wearing when I sang it or something like, and all, all these memories just started coming back to me that had been <clears throat> completely locked away and gone. And so the, the singing, there, there's something about the, the, the connection in, in music. Um, you know, I, I think music resonates with us on a different level than, than other things do and, and, and hold, holds things for us. And yeah, so just by singing every day, I was opening up more and more of my memory. Mm-hmm. And that, that was probably the, the, the biggest thing where creativity has is, is come into play with this. Now, I know we only just have about a minute left together. What would you most want the listeners to know from hearing your story and sharing it? What do you most want them to learn from or take away? Oh, wow. Um, no well, pressure. A, only a minute. Yeah, 59, 58. Don't wonder. worry. <laughs> well, well, there, there's a Bob Marley quote that um, has been used a lot in stroke groups and things like that that says, we never know how strong we are until being strong is the only choice we have. And I, I like thinking that strength is a choice, that, that no matter what the circumstances are, you can still choose to be strong and choose. Like I, I, I made a choice to recover from this. I, I very easily could have sat and, and I don't want to say wallowed, but sat in fear, sat in fear as, as, as opposed to love. And I think choosing strength is choosing love. And that, that's sort of the direction that I, I went in and I'm glad I did. <laughs> Michael, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was a pleasure. That's Michael Schutt. He is the author and performer of A Lesson in Swimming, a solo show that's being produced by the Moving Arts Theater Company in Los Angeles. You can find out more about Michael and his work at michaelschutt.com. That's Michael, S-H-U-T-T dot com. And of course, hop on over to karenhigger.com, a great place to find out about what's coming up next on this radio program and also to hear about upcoming classes and events, book a private session if you're so inclined. All that's at karenhager.com. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.